0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.
1: Well, there's been much talk in recent months about a recession on the horizon, and with the Bank of England declaring last week that the UK is likely to fall into a recession by the end of the year, there is a sense of inevitability that Ireland will soon follow suit. But is this really the case? Economist Jim Power joins us now to tell us more. Jim, with the aftermath of COVID-19, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, rising energy costs and a warning from the Bank of England that the UK will enter a recession, how would you best describe the current state of the Irish economy?
0: You've described the international economy and it is pretty challenging and very, very uncertain at the moment. Inflation has taken off around the world Uh, central banks are reacting aggressively by increasing interest rates to try and get inflation under control. And it is clear that rates will rise further everywhere, including um, the euro area and by implication here in Ireland. So I would envisage over the coming months a significant slowdown in the global economy. Um, From an Irish perspective, there is very little evidence to date that this awful global backdrop is creating problems here. The Irish economy on most metrics is still growing strongly, as in tax revenues are strong, the labour market is still very strong. Um, Some signs of slowdown emerging in certain areas, particularly in the construction sector. Uh, But generally, it appears that uh, the Irish economy is largely immune to date to what's happening globally.
1: And of course, it has to be said that the tool that most of the central banks intend on using to rectify some of these problems is actually raising the interest rates. In your opinion, is that the right decision to take?
0: Um, Well, there are variations in the answer to that question. In the United States, where demand has been incredibly strong, increasing interest rates quite aggressively is the right response, not least because President Biden and Trump before him injected massive fiscal stimulus into the US economy as COVID hit. So increasing interest rates to try and get demand and as a consequence, inflation back under control is appropriate for the United States. Uh, It's a lot less obvious in the euro area that aggressive interest rate tightening is required because there is not excess demand in Europe. And in fact, the European economy um, is relatively... um, I won't say weak but certainly um is not booming ahead at the moment. So there are few indications that demand is out of control in Europe. Um the problem on the inflation front in Europe is not excess demand. It is because of those supply side pressures emanating firstly from covid and more recently from the Ukraine war. Um energy costs and food costs are you know particular drivers of inflation at this juncture. And the reality is that increasing interest rates will not bring um, gas prices down, for example. So I I think the risk the European Central Bank runs is that, you know, it is going to force a eurozone recession over the coming months. And uh, no guarantees that inflation will come back under control until we see uh, the gas price situation rectify itself.
1: And since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, of course, we've seen massive increases in fuel prices at the pump. But in recent weeks, I've seen those prices beginning to fall. Is that a trend that's going to continue in the months ahead, in your opinion?
0: Well, the reason why oil prices are starting to come back down is because um, the oil markets are now factoring in global recession later in the year. And when you get global recession, when economic activity slows down, the demand for oil falls And prices are falling. So the oil markets are now anticipating a sharp slowdown in the global economy. So if over the coming weeks and months, you know, we continue to see central banks increasing interest rates to bring inflation under control um, and that in turn leading to uh, recessionary economic conditions, well, then uh, there's a fair chance that oil prices will continue to gradually edge down. So, but, but this market sentiment will be driven by how the markets view the economic outlook. And I would have to say at this juncture, uncertainty is the byword for everything out there in the global economic and financial system. But based on the sort of economic fundamentals that we can understand, if the global economy slows over the coming months, as we expect uh, well, then you would expect oil prices to gradually um, continue to ease back. Um, I think gas prices will be the much bigger problem, actually, than oil at this juncture.
1: What is your outlook for gas over the winter months, especially?
0: It's down to uh, Putin and the evils of Putin again. Um, you know, we, we just don't know uh, to what extent Russian gas will continue to flow into Europe. Um, so there's a huge, huge issue about um, the future supply of gas. So, you know, my, my fear would be that the supply of gas rather than the price of gas will be the biggest problem later this year. So the chances are, you know, gas prices are going to remain high at elevated levels, uh, but the chances are also that you will see uh, significant shortages of gas.
1: We've seen many of the energy companies reporting huge profits in recent months. One of the solutions that the government has in place for that now is they're considering introducing a windfall tax on energy companies, as you know. What are your thoughts on that move?
0: Well, at a global level, the big uh, global oil companies like ExxonMobil and Shell are reporting significant growth in profits as a result of spiralling oil prices. And you certainly have a sense that... Uh, these companies are actually benefiting at the cost of consumers and businesses. So from a moral standpoint, it certainly does not stand up very well. So there is certainly a strong temptation to contemplate the notion of a windfall tax on those excess profits. Um, It's not straightforward in a sense that, you know, the oil companies will argue that these windfall taxes create massive uncertainty for them. Uh, And that that deters further investment in energy production. And there's also the sense that if at some stage, as was the case back in 2020, you know, oil prices fall to very, very low levels um, and the oil companies were struggling at that stage, does the state step in at that stage and positively subsidize those companies? So it's not straightforward. I think countries, um, certain countries um, have got a model that actually works. So countries like um, Canada, Brazil, um, once oil prices or energy costs go above a certain level, well, then um, a windfall tax kicks in automatically. So that gives certainty and predictability to the energy companies. And it also gives the energy companies um, an incentive to prevent energy costs from ri- rising above a level that would um, trigger this um, windfall tax so i I think we need to be careful globally how we actually implement windfall taxes but um i would say on balance that it is um it's about it's, it's it's a positive idea there are more positives than negatives here but i think the way we structure is going to be really important
1: with the uk the likelihood of the us and the eurozone falling into recession over the coming months is it inevitable that ireland will follow suit shortly after
0: Well, logic would suggest absolutely, because um, we are um, a small, open economy. We're incredibly exposed to exports and foreign direct investment. And, you know, we sell a lot of what we produce overseas because we're a big exporting nation. So if the markets we're selling into go into recession, well, that's obviously going to make it more difficult to sell those exports. Um, We also see um, rising interest rates. And as I say, there's probably a lot more to come. Um, The cost of living pressures continue to build. So logic would suggest that inevitably over the next six months or so, um, you're likely to see a significant slowdown in Irish economic activity. Um, I stress that's what logic would suggest. Um, Logic doesn't always work, but um, I would be very surprised, I have to say, that if we don't see a significant slowdown in aspects of the Irish economy over the coming months.
1: And of course, the UK is in the midst of selecting a new Prime Minister. From an Irish perspective, though, would a Sunak or Truss victory be better for the Irish economy?
0: I certainly believe, based on what we understand, that um, in a relative sense, uh, Sunak would be a much better choice for Ireland. But this is all relative. Um, You know, it's clear Boris Johnson really didn't give a damn about Ireland. He didn't give a damn about anything really except holding on to power himself Um, I actually think Liz Truss will be worse than um, Boris. Um, I think she will be more negative uh, on many different fronts and certainly um, I think it will be the worst possible outcome for Ireland uh, but Boris was bad for Ireland. Trust, I think, will be worse for Ireland. Um, Sunak would be slightly less dangerous from an Irish perspective. But listen, we're dealing with a Tory party at the moment that has lost all sense of reality, because um, if they hadn't, they wouldn't have pushed ahead with the nonsense of Brexit in the first place and everything that has subsequently happened. So um, I, I think it's sort of Tweedledum dum tweedle but I would prefer, on balance, to see Sunak... Um, win the leadership, but that's very unlikely to happen. So I think we're going to be stuck with Liz Truss and I think at that stage we'll be um, wishing for the days of Boris again.
1: And Jim, on the topic of a US recession, what impact would that have on US multinationals investing further in Ireland?
0: Well, uh, you know, if if, if, if you got a U.S. and indeed a global recession, um, the way corporations typically respond to that is through cost-cutting. And, um, you know, given the globalised nature of those large multinationals, uh, the possibility would be that the cost-cutting would occur across the board. So I would feel a U.S. recession could certainly... Um, do some limited damage to multinational investment in this country. Uh, but, I, but I still don't believe that a recession in the United States would force massive disinvestment from Ireland because uh, most of these corporations will try and look through the recession. Um, Ireland is still, at least at the moment, a good place in which to invest and locate business. It is the only native English-speaking country in the European Union, with the exception of Malta. So that's important for American companies. And provided, actually, we maintain a pro-business environment in this country, provided we don't increase taxes um, and and provided we, you know, we continue to offer a good investment environment for multinational companies, um, I think we should be okay. But, you know, in answer to an earlier question, um, you know, logic would suggest that a global recession will impact on Ireland and the impact on the multinational sector is part of that overall impact. You know, inevitably, if US multinationals start to experience a slowdown in global growth, uh, there's always the risk they start to cut costs. But I think Ireland will be relatively immune from that. Not totally immune, but um, certainly partly immune.
1: And Jim, given the current challenges, what are your concerns and what's your outlook for SMEs here in Ireland?
0: I'm worried about SMEs, I have to say. Um, okay, uh, the problem, of course, with an SME is that uh, there are just so many different types of SMEs, implying one person, implying up to 250 people, engaged in all sorts of activities. Over 99% of companies, in numerical terms, are categorized as SME. They employ about 65% of private sector employment in the economy. Um, They occupy every town, village, city around the country. So they're an incredibly important part of the local and national economies. Um, They are experiencing difficult times at the moment, which will be made worse by a recession. Um, You know, interest rates rising, um, energy costs rising, labour availability and the cost of labour is becoming a big problem. So um, SMEs are experiencing... Um, pretty dramatic increases in um, business costs at the moment. And um, so I, I, I would be concerned. And we've seen, you know, in recent days, for example, Musgrave Group come out looking for government support for um, the SME retailers that are, you know, part of the uh, retail grocery sector in this country. So, and, and I think there's justification for that because, um As I say, all of their input costs have increased dramatically and SMEs at the best of times, you know, struggle with tight margins and so on. So I would hope that um, the budget on September 27th would pay a lot more attention to preserving employment in the SME sector rather than focusing on some sort of populist cost of living package.
1: So specifically, Jim, what supports would you like to see in Budget 2023 for SMEs?
0: Well, I would like to see the 9% VAT rate for the, you know, the hospitality sector and other parts of the economy being maintained indefinitely. Um, I would like to see some efforts made to try and um, give a holiday on commercial rates to the smaller businesses. Um, And I I would like to see, basically, government standing up and recognising the importance of the SME sector to the economy and trying to make life as financially um, viable as possible for those businesses. But, you know, the stuff they can do on the taxation side, the stuff they can do um, in terms of stuff like commercial rates, and if necessary... Um, you know, looking at pushing out tax liabilities further again. The problem in the SME sector, of course, is that many of them have just been emerging from the horror of COVID-19 and they're now being hit with the all of the stuff that the Ukraine war has actually given rise to. So it's, 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 a, it's a pretty challenging environment and I think government is really going to have to focus in on making sure that as many of those SMEs as possible remain viable.
1: And Jim, finally, the era of low interest rates seems to be well behind us at this stage. How high could interest rates go over the coming years?
0: You know, it it is clear that for the moment, um, the era of historically ultra low interest rates has passed. Um, The European Central Bank has increased interest rates by a half percent last month in July. And I, I would say there's a possibility that over the next six months, the European Central Bank might take rates up to 2%. I have to say, based on my analysis of the eurozone economy, um, I think any increases beyond 2% would start to become very dangerous for the eurozone economy. So we are not, in my view, entering into an era of very high interest rates that people of a certain age would remember from the 70s and 80s. You know, so as I say, I I think the upside to rates will probably be limited to about 2%. And if you look out a couple of years, hence, um, you know, if if inflation does come back under control, um, you could actually see rates slipping back again. So it's not the end of the world on the interest rate front, but certainly at the moment, based on what's happening inflation, Based on what the European Central Bank is saying and now starting to do, um, you know, rates are rising. But I don't envisage dramatic increases in rates beyond 2% because I believe the Eurozone economy just could not sustain that.
1: Well, if you've just tuned in, that was economist Jim Power. And I'd like to thank Jim for sharing his expert insights with us this morning.
0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.